1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline and hook up with Daily face Frank Saravalli for the Horses and Horse Racing, Alberta. Opening day at Century Mile Racetrack is Saturday, May 6. You'll be able to wager on the Kentucky Derby as well. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. Speaking of hookup, you
1: and I are going to go on a date next time I'm in Edmonton for the playoffs in a couple weeks. Uh, We're going to go to Ruth, Chris, me and you and visit your friends. You're coming to town? I will be. The Oilers got to win and I'll be there.
0: All right. Well, uh, they've been winning a bunch, Frank. I don't know if you've noticed, but. uh, Oh, I've
1: noticed. Best team in the NHL by a wide margin since March 1st.
0: uh, 12-0-1 um tonight's a major challenge. how about this i don't know if you saw the stat i mentioned it earlier in the show first time in 37 seasons that will have a game with five 100 plus point scores obviously mcdavid Drysdale, nugent hopkins for edmonton mckinnon and rantanen for colorado talk about star power tonight mm-hmm. at ball arena frank
1: star power and uh guys that are going to be receiving some significant awards consideration as well in the last half hour my ballot has landed in my inbox for the nhl awards this season i've been thinking long and hard about what that's going to look like and i've determined that miko rantanen is going to be the runner up on my ballot to Connor mcdavid so a special season for rantanen some would say this is the best career year for nathan mckinnon i don't know if he'll tell you that as well but the abs team and what they've been missing. Those guys have certainly been a big, big part of it.
0: We haven't done our game day lineup report yet from McGuire financial. We're going to save that to one to one thirty, but the Colorado avalanche have used 42 players this season. It seems like they always got four or five guys that'll line up. I don't know. McCarr, he's got a lower body issue right now. Manson's been out. I think Manson will be back for the playoffs. I think McCarr will be back. Uh, you know, but that's but why I think only... the
1: Oilers are the team to beat.
0: You think Edmonton's the team to beat?
1: I do now, yeah. I've been saying, I, I thought for a couple weeks that the abs were because they really seem to be finally you know getting healthy and getting it together. But I think so much of their success in the playoffs hinges on Makar and his health. If he's at 100%, well, then I think they get the edge to me over the Oilers. But when I think of, you know, individual impact so few are are bigger than Makar and he changes that team like they go from a really special and gifted team offensively to a game changing team with the speed creativity uh his impact on the play when he's healthy that I'd also be voting him number one for Norris but I'm having a hard time
0: wrestling with the games that he's missed this season yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I like, I'm going to, you know, like, Colorado t- to me made some really effective, subtle additions here that have given them some more depth. Than, you know, you look at Maligan's coming, he's got, you know, 10 oh, goals goal. and 16 yeah. points in 40 games. They, they brought Nieto back. Um, you know, a quick, fast guy to to support them further down the lineup. I mean, those guys will be third or fourth liners come crunch time. Uh, assuming they get Landis Skog back, they're going to get Leckanen back for sure. Uh, you know, Andrew Cogliano
1: and, was such a big part of their playoff run last year.
0: He's got ten goals this year. Yep. You know, he hadn't scored ten goals in the last five years, and he's got ten goals this season. But you look at them. They're good. Like they're they they have to be considered the favorite as the, the former champs against Edmonton. But the reality is, for the Oilers, I think we all conceded Frank that Colorado was the better team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Smith had a tremendous second half of the season for Edmonton. He had some tough moments in that series against Colorado. There were some ugly goals that went into Lynette from some crazy angles. To be fair, uh, the Oilers probably should have
1: moments. In the second round, too, in the Paddle of Alberta when the Flames scored from Red Deer one game, but they
0: yeah. were able to win in spite of that. They were, but uh, Colorado was just him. I think, and I'll, I'll ask the listeners, and they can text us on the Ashley fine Florida text line, the addition of Ekholm, where he slots, the size of the Oilers' D now, even DeHarty in the third pairing as a right shot guy, the size the Oilers have added up front, the increased depth Illustrated Frank, here's the stat for you. In 1920, when McDavid and Leon were not on the ice, one of them wasn't on the ice, the orders were minus 29. That was the, the bubble year where we played in, uh, you know, in Edmonton and the Oilers lost to Chicago. 2021 in the All Canadian Division, the orders were minus 23 when one of McDavid or Dry wasn't on the ice, five on five goal differential. Last year, real good second half of the year for Edmonton, minus 22. So minus 29, minus 23, minus 22, the last three years when Connor and Leon haven't been on the ice. This year, Edmonton's plus 13 when those guys aren't on the ice.
1: Way different. And I would argue, too, not from an Edmonton's perspective, but from a Colorado perspective, I, they're not quite as good as they were last season. I think they're still missing a piece down the middle. Like, Kadri was such a big part of what they accomplished. And obviously, you, I heard you talking right before the break about you know the Flames and how utterly disappointing this season has been, and, and not just for the whole team, but also for some individual players, Kadri included. That said, JT Comfer has had a strong year. I think he's swimming in waters that are a little bit above his head. Um, and Alex Newhook hasn't been able to latch on to that position. He was given an opportunity. They're, Burakovsky is such a big part of their team last year too. Like You see the impact he's had in Seattle. Like The abs aren't quite as good, and now we know they're not quite as healthy and haven't been all year. Getting Landeskog back will be a huge boost. But I was wondering from your perspective, being with the team every day, aside from the standings and seedings perspective does this game mean anything to the oilers from a confidence standpoint losing both games in ot this year against the Avs to just get one on the board heading into the playoffs knowing you might have to face them again
0: oh i think you're on to something now that said they blew colorado out last year the last time they played them 6-3 and kane had a hat-trick um, but Edmonton is basically going to be completely healthy for tonight's game, with the exception they won't have CC, who's away. I mean, he'll be back in the lineup, uh, you know, unless he unless he arrived between late yesterday afternoon and we, it was an optional today. So I think CC's rejoining the team on Thursday for the final game against San Jose, and we we don't one hundred percent know with McCarr and Manson, but my guess is they're both out. Um, we might see Byron play. I, I do think it's important that Edmonton finds a way to get and. Frank, one of the things that's happening here is the Oilers goalies are freezing the puck. It sounds simple, but they've only given up, you know, uh, a goal against... They've only given up three goals against their the last five games. They're playing better defensively. This is... We talked about those crazy stats, Frank. The first matchup of five 100-point scores since 86. By the way, the four previous times it happened, it always involved Edmonton from 83 to 86 when it happened. Um... But the orders, those teams, Kevin Lowe used to tell me all the time, we used to try to shut it down and grind it down in the final 10 games of the year to gear up for the playoffs. I think we're seeing a little bit of that here right now. So I'm with you.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Uh,
0: by the way, the Uckholm trade. <laughs> he's plus 25, playing 2043 20, with the Oilers, three goals, 12 points in 19 games, six times in his NHL career, he's over 30 points. Bouchard has three goals, seventeen points in nineteen games. He's plus eleven. He's playing twenty-one minutes a game. It's worked out better than anybody thought, eh? Frank?
1: Yeah, I've heard, and I've eaten crow on that a couple times in a row, and I'm happy to do so again. When I had some questions about the trade, you, you mentioned Bouchard and the power play is actually better with him than it was with Barry, which is scary to think about for other teams. Um, but I want to ask you. I know it's normally you asking me questions, but if you had a Norris Trophy vote. What would
0: you do? I'd vote for Carlson. Cuz I'd look why? at the even strength like going into the game on Saturday, Carlson was tied for even even strength points with Nathan McKinnon, and Connor was a point behind him. Connor got th- uh three even point strength uh even strength points in that game, jumped ahead of those guys. I'd vote for Carlson. Uh I'm having I a know hard there's time people it. What's that?
1: I'm having a hard time voting Carlson because Well, explain why. Because it's not the the most magical offensive season. It's the best all-around defenseman. And it's it's not, you can skew the numbers and paint them any which way you want. I think when it comes down to even strength and goals against, he's on the ice for 122 goals against this season. You know, you look at some of the other candidates on the list, Adam Fox, 54, Hampus Lindholm, 48. They've been on the ice for half as many goals against, but you can change it around and make it You know, how much of that is the 28th place San Jose Sharks team that's around him? How much of that is on him individually with his, you know, poor defensive zone play and the fact that he's usually, you know, at the other end of the ice while the puck is in the back of his net? My biggest thing when it comes to all around defenseman is he doesn't play a lick on the penalty kill. And I really struggle with that. I wrestle with the idea of how could you be considered all around if you don't contribute to a facet of the game where your team is whether it's four minutes or 10 minutes a night you're not on the ice and Adam Fox like he's playing almost three minutes a game on the PK are his 71 points this season anything to sneeze at like I just don't think the rest of the guys that are, are candidates on my list are that much less gifted offensively and I know that This is a historic season. This is the best season that anyone's had among defensemen when you adjust for ERA that's not named Paul Coffey or Bobby Orr since the Great Depression. I get it. It's, It's amazing what he's done, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But he's also done it, and his team is in 28th place. It's had next to no impact on his team. And in fact, some might argue a negative impact on his team.
0: Oh, the old in the playoff thing. So let me ask you: When Fox won the uh, Norris, were the Rangers in the playoffs that year?
1: That he's no, he's the last one to win when his team didn't make it. Obviously, a weird year too with COVID. That New York that guy, was, you know, a shortened season. I don't even think New York. You know what? Having made the voting list of who votes and who doesn't, I can tell you, New York is some of our small. There's some of our smallest chapters of media members.
0: Yeah. You know what, I you, Frank, it's interesting we're having we this have conversation. Exactly one voter from New Jersey. How about this? It's it's funny because I think of uh, the one year one of the writers in Colorado did not pick McDavid for a top five. For he, now, Connor did not win the MVP that year. It might have been seventeen, eighteen. Might have been eighteen, nineteen. But Connor was either first or second in scoring that year and was a huge plus player in the Oilers. But they didn't make the playoffs. He didn't pick a McDavid top five, and I. I in the three games against Colorado that year, McDavid was first star in all three games. Like, I don't know what the hell he saw, but... And then last year, there was a uh, writer that didn't remember have who McDavid. I this guy is, too. There was a writer in Pittsburgh that did not have McDavid in the top five last year. And McDavid had a goal and four points in both games against the Penguins. The Oilers, the Oilers have routed the Penguins for fun the last few... So Connor had eight points and went plus seven in the two games against Pittsburgh... And the writer in Pittsburgh didn't have McDavid in the top five. And I you know, and, and Connor ended up leading the league and scoring a lot, and I was just like, like did you do you not trust your own eyes in the games that you actually saw or but you know what? That's you're Here's you're allowed to have an that. opinion, I guess. That's yeah. So my well, my uh my my, my point is, 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 is I'll go Since I'll, I'm
1: since I'm actively involved in the process,
0: we get that? it right.
1: We get it right at the end of the day. And yes, you do. So, ballot,
0: so it's let me like ask that. you this. Does Skinner have a chance to win Rookie of the Year? He's getting my number one vote. I think he See, has that's a chance. music to the years of Oilers fans. They're going to like to hear that, Frank.
1: I, I just, I look, I know that this isn't most valuable rookie, and it's supposed to be the top rookie. I just don't think Maddie Beneers, yeah, he's played an, an excellent, he's had an excellent rookie season. Like, I'm not knocking him in any which way. He's a... a He's really a smart two way player that's been impactful for the Seattle Kraken. But what he's done this season is not the sort of eye popping, you know, 90 point campaign from a rookie that you just can't ignore that we've had, you know, in a number of seasons now, to the point where I think it's opened the door to consider some alternatives. And this may sound like a bold statement, but I'm not entirely convinced that the Oilers make the playoffs if not for Stuart Skinner.
0: I think he could be right. I think that's a fair comment. And instead, they have a chance to finish first in the Western Conference. How about this? As you know, I vote for coach of the year. Jay Woodcroft, uh, Jack put a stat out last week about Jay having the second best winning percentage of any coach over 100 games in NHL history. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the best winning percentage in the last 50 years. Because the only guy that was better was Tom Johnson in the early 1970s, Bruins, where you know, they're the highest-scoring team in the NHL in that 70-71 season. Like what Jay's done here, and so when I'm, I, I'm voting and everybody just, just assumes that it's it's going to be Monty in Boston, and I'm sure he's going to win it. But I'm going to tell you right now, my top three, I'm going to have Jay Woodcroft. Because I think he's done a real good job in the last year and a half with this hockey club.
1: The numbers don't lie, and I I'm I don't know why everyone has just assumed that the Jack Adams this year is it's he's gonna Jim Montgomery's likely gonna win, so I'm not disputing that. But it's been made to seem like it's a foregone conclusion when I think I'm not, I'm not saying Jim Montgomery hasn't done a great job because the Bruins this season has been ridiculous. They don't lose. Like they have four losses on home ice and regulation all year. And they have 52 or 53 regulation wins. Like it's it's incredible. And by the way, I do quibble with the idea that you're comparing this team to the 70s, late 70s Canadians because it was a different game standing points-wise. They had ties and didn't have a chance to win in regulation. So when you say they've won 63 games, that's not apples to apples to me, to some of those late 70s Canadians teams. I digress. My point is, I think you could have put just about anyone not named Bruce Cassidy on that bench and that team would have been good. I don't know that they do all that they've done this year, but between David Krejci coming back, Patrice Bergeron coming back, Jake DeBrusque rescinding his trade request, they were ready for a change and, and I think they were excited to play for anyone that wasn't Bruce Cassidy. And so I, I just I don't want to say I take the you know the Jim Montgomery impact with a grain of salt because I don't. It's just that I think there's been other impressive coaching jobs elsewhere and had the season ended in January and I saw some people from NHL.com, they put together their own mini poll. Rick bonus didn't even receive a vote then. And the Jets were in first place in their
0: division. Like,
1: yeah. I, it's it's just been a foregone conclusion all year, and I guess I don't
0: know why. All right, well, uh, you know what's happened in Boston is that team got liber- liberated by the coaching change. yeah, And one of the things that happened in Edmonton under Jay Woodcroft, and Dave Tippett did a good job here, especially with special teams. But Jay found a way to engage and involve everybody. And that's part of the reason why I gave you that stat in terms of the Oilers. And the Oilers have better players now too, but he seems to be touching a lot of, there's a touch today's coach, which brings me to the Calgary Flames. Oh. You know, if you had told me in the second period of game two of the Battle of Alberta last year, that not only would the Oilers come back and sweep Calgary in four straight, but the next year the Flames would lose Kachuk, lose Goodrow, Brad Trilliving somehow, somehow would end up getting Kadri, along with Huberto, who don't forget had as many points as Goodrow, and Mackenzie Weger, And they'd still miss the playoffs. I'd say, you're crazy. How does that happen? So, Frank, I throw it to you. How does that happen?
1: It's the most disappointing season in the league by a wide margin. Um, The Florida Panthers have rectified some of that situation in the Eastern Conference because it looks like they're getting in. But how does it happen? Well, your goaltender goes from a 922 to an 892. That's one. Two, your, your coach... Uh, puts a size 12 up the rear end of some of your players and there's been friction all year long. Three, you have some incredibly disappointing seasons from your star players. Jonathan Huberto, disappointing year. Nazem Kadri, disappointing year. Andrew Mangiapane on a milk carton. Like, you go through it and it's, it's kind of a systematic breakdown and a total and complete breakdown of a roster that on paper should be a playoff team and I think what highlights that is the fact that they've played this poorly they've lost 30 out of 48 one goal games this season 30, 3-0, 18 in in overtime or a shootout and 12 in regulation mentally fragile and the fact that they got To game 81 of the season and we're still in the mix is kind of amazing in and of itself. It tells you that there's something there, but changes are coming. They are. It's happening in Calgary. I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. The people in charge don't know. But the GMs in the last year of his deal, there's so much friction with the coach that I have a hard time seeing a path forward for him to remain there next year. And so you could have wholesale foundation franchise shaking changes that
0: occur in Calgary. Frank, great stuff. Make sure you clear some space on that credit card for when we go to Roost Chris. Okay. (laughs) What happened to these gift cards? We'll work on. We'll work our magic. We'll see if Brendan (laughs) can come through for us. I might have one. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to invite Brendan then too. (laughs) There you go. Awesome stuff, Frank. Thanks for your time. Have a good one, Bob. You bet. It is time. Oilers game day trivia for Pro Am Sports, Fan Cave and Fan Gear Specialists for all budgets in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and at proamsports.ca. Up for grabs a $50 GC from Pro Am Sports, your Fan Cave and Fan Gear Specialists. And bragging rights. You got to text us the correct answer. It's a medium tough one today. Not super tough. You can figure it out. Name the two former Edmonton Oilers that are on Colorado's roster. The two former Edmonton Oilers that are on Colorado's roster. One was an Oilers first-round pick, and one scored against Edmonton earlier this season in Edmonton. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. That's the Ashley Fine Flores text line coming up at 1 o'clock. Randy Kilburn with a global news weather traffic update. And we'll have the trivia answer and get to conversations with Derek Ryan and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the second hour of Oilers Now.